This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Friday the 4th of March. I'm Christian Smith. And I'm Emily Wither. The Ukrainian president warns of the end for all Europe as Russian troops shell a nuclear power plant. It is the first time in our history, in the history of humankind, that the terrorist states turned to nuclear terrorism. And a second round of peace talks on Thursday promises humanitarian corridors for civilians. But the main question that was solved today is saving people. Times of London Daily World Briefing. As the war between Ukraine and Russia enters its ninth day, further anger has spread across Europe after Russian shelling overnight caused a fire at a nuclear power plant in the country's southeast. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky took to social media, warning that an explosion at the plant could cause the end for all of Europe. I'm appealing to all Ukrainians, to all Europeans, to all the people who know the word Chernobyl, to those who know how much misery and victims the nuclear power plant explosion brought. It was a global disaster. Hundreds of thousands of people were dealing with consequences. Dozens of thousands of people were evacuated. Russia wants to repeat it, and it's already repeating it. But it's six times bigger now. He called on powers in Europe to help stop Russian troops and prevent a nuclear catastrophe. We are warning everybody. Not a single state apart from Russia has ever shelled nuclear reactors. It is the first time in our history, in the history of humankind, that the terrorist states turned to nuclear terrorism. Ukraine says the blaze is now put out and the safety of the plant has been secured. But the plant has been captured by Russian troops. The Sun newspaper's defense editor, Jerome Starkey, is in the city of Dnipro, about 60 miles north of the power plant, and he told Times Radio that tensions in the city were high. Certainly the firefight raging all night has had people in this city absolutely terrified. I've spoken to, to one individual who couldn't sleep last night, was up all night trying to watch developments, clearly afraid of some sort of nuclear catastrophe. It's with some relief that we're, we're told that the radiation levels remain normal. Western foreign ministers are gathering in Brussels today to consider their response to the war. The UK's Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab told Times Radio that the UK has called for a special meeting of the UN Security Council to address the nuclear issue. He said that the shelling was reckless and irresponsible. Not only the fact that they were shooting um, bombarding that particular site but when the Ukrainian emergency authorities were trying to put out the fire the shelling continued uh, it, it must stop uh, we need to support the Ukrainians in dealing with the uh, security situation there the Russian government blamed the attack on Ukrainian saboteurs but did not provide any evidence of this Former senior military intelligence officer Philip Ingram said that Vladimir Putin is breaching the Geneva Convention by turning military forces on civilian infrastructure. The attack on the nuclear power plant is another um, uh, one against the Geneva Protocols, the 1977 Geneva Protocols, where Article 56 um, doesn't allow you to attack um, infrastructure that could cause further damage to the mm. civilian population. After a rapid start to the conflict, the military situation on the ground is now moving more slowly. However, Vladimir Putin said in a televised address on Thursday that operations in Ukraine were going according to schedule. 
Our soldiers and officers strive to avoid civilian casualties, and unfortunately they themselves suffer casualties. It is our duty to support the families of our fallen and wounded comrades in arms who fought for the safety of the homeland, for our people, for the people of Russia. The Pentagon estimates that 90% of Russia's forces concentrated on the border before the invasion have now entered Ukraine. Russian forces are pushing further south in what is believed to be an attempt to encircle Kyiv as a 40-mile convoy crawls to support them, making little progress over three days as it is hindered by Ukrainian resistance, breakdowns and congestion. Jack Watling is a research fellow in land warfare and military sciences at British think tank, the Royal United Services Institute. He told Times Radio that the logistical operation was a difficult one for the Russians. You have a vast number of vehicles trying to get down a relatively small number of roads, which creates you know, a horrendous traffic jam. And of course, the slower it moves, given that there's fighting at the front, so you can't just drive forward. You have to clear the enemy from in front of this column. Mm. Um, you have to get food and ammunition from the back of the column to the front through said traffic jam. So they are moving slowly. And the slower they move, the more time the Ukrainians have to both build up their supplies in Kiev and strengthen the resistance, but also to harass this convoy. The Russians are quite vulnerable while they're in that compacted kind of grouping. Elsewhere, Russia has so far only seized one major city, Kherson, in the south of the country. And as Jack Watling points out, they seem intent on forcing other cities into submission. We're also seeing the bombardment of um, Mariupol and Kharkiv, as you said. Uh, The Russians are declining to conduct an assault. And it looks like they're going to essentially uh, flatten the city with artillery progressively until, until people surrender or there isn't anyone left. Yesterday, 33 people were killed by a Russian airstrike in the northern Ukrainian city of Shechiniv. According to the UK's Ministry of Defence, the strategic port city of Mariupol in the southeast is encircled and under attack, with supplies like food and water cut off. Igor Novikov, a former advisor to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, said that Russian military action is quickly becoming genocide. We got the news of an airstrike on a school in Jutomir. So that kind of gives you the idea of what's happening. So basically there's indiscriminate airstrikes and bombing of civilian targets. So it's pretty much genocide. And we're estimating, you know, civilian death toll, including children, to be in their thousands. The Times of London understands that President Zelensky himself has survived three assassination attempts in three days, with anti-war elements within the Russian Federal Security Service tipping off Ukrainian forces in advance. Times of London Daily World Briefing Also on Thursday, Russia and Ukraine met for a second round of peace talks, where they agreed to the creation of humanitarian corridors in Ukraine, which would allow civilians to safely evacuate cities. Chief Russian negotiator Vladimir Medinsky, speaking through a translator, described the talks as making substantial progress. But the main question that was solved today is saving people. Civilians who are in the military conflict zone. So the sides, representatives of the Defence Ministry of the Russian Federation and Ministry of Defence of Ukraine, have agreed on format of humanitarian corridors for the civilians to leave. President Zelensky said that there was a way out of the conflict if Russia decided to treat Ukraine on an equal footing. 
but he also warned that Russia would not stop at Ukraine's borders. It's not about I want to talk with Putin. I think I have to talk with Putin. The world has to talk with Putin because there are no other ways to stop this war. That's why I have to. Historic sanctions continue to be placed on Russia, with the UK and the US announcing further targeted sanctions on oligarchs close to Putin on Thursday, described as Putin's cronies and their family members by the White House. UK Foreign Secretary Liz Truss says there will be nowhere for Putin's cronies to hide. I'm very clear that legal threats will have no impact on our ability to sanction oligarchs, and we will continue to work through our list We will continue to sanction oligarchs and there is nowhere for any of Putin's cronies to hide. Meanwhile, the super yachts of some Russian oligarchs have been seized across Europe. White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki says the sanctions the US have imposed have been historic. I would say that the sanctions, the financial sanctions that we have issued... Uh, are uh, on par with what we have done to Iran. Uh, They are significant, they are historic, and uh, they are crippling the sector. So I don't think we have held back in any capacity. As Russian attacks increase, the UK, EU and US have urged the UN Human Rights Council to establish a commission of inquiry to investigate violations committed by Russia. US Ambassador to the UN Bathsheba Nell Crocker urged the 47 member states to support the resolution due to be voted on on Friday. Today, all of us here have a choice. Stand up and be counted or act like none of this matters while the people of Ukraine suffer. The Human Rights Council must send a clear, unmistakable message. Not only has Russia's invasion of Ukraine trampled the core principles on which the UN was created, but Russia's actions, which are causing death, displacement, and violence against innocent civilians, are abuses of human rights and violations of of international humanitarian law. Simon Manley, the UK ambassador, said that President Putin had no respect for human rights. It is, Mr. President, unconscionable to think that a fellow member of this council, a nation that fought so courageously with us to defeat fascism, would commit these egregious violations. But President Putin has proved he has no respect for human rights, the UN Charter, or international law. That is why it is essential that this council establishes a commission of inquiry to investigate alleged abuses and violations of human rights and violations of international humanitarian law to preserve evidence and prevent impunity. Russia must be held to account. Not all states were in favour of a commission, however, with the Chinese ambassador denouncing the move as a politicisation of human rights. Saying that China has always opposed using human rights issues as a pretext to exert pressure on other countries and does not support any act that may stimulate the conflict. A team from the International Criminal Court in The Hague also left for the Ukraine region on Thursday to see if there was evidence of atrocities by all sides.
We move away from Ukraine now and head briefly to the United States, where on Thursday, Brett Hankerson, the only officer charged after a police raid that led to the death of Breonna Taylor in March 2020, was acquitted of endangering the neighbours in the raid. A 26-year-old black woman working as an emergency room technician, Taylor was among several black people killed by police, causing a wave of protests across the US in 2020. Hankinson fired 10 bullets into Miss Taylor's apartment, three pierced a wall, one flew into another apartment where a family slept. According to Hankinson's testimony, when he heard 22 bullets fired by his fellow officers, he mistakenly thought the two were engaged in a gunfight with someone inside the apartment. This acquittal comes after several high-profile convictions, including three former Minneapolis police officers who were convicted last month of violating George Floyd's rights when an officer fatally knelt on his neck. And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Friday the 4th of March. This podcast from The Times of London is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.